Today at Grapevine, we're going to be talking about family trees. And what are we going to be talking about in particular, Phil? Well, I want to talk about Jesus' ancestry. And in particular, what was the connection between his ancestry and his priesthood and what that means? Hi, and welcome to Grapevine. I'm Angie and I have Phil with me. How are you doing, Phil? Well, Angie, I'm in fine fettle. Aha. I uh, understand that um, you are an etymologist. Yes, I'm a philologist with a particular interest in etymology. Now, the rest of you can go home and look it up when you get a chance. (laughs) So, the word of the week is... um, Fettle. Right, okay. And that means... And and fettling. All right, fettle. Which is a verb. Yes. Are you going to tell us what that means? I come from an industrial town. Uh, and when you manufacture things, sometimes the things you manufacture are joined to other ones of the similar sort. And when you separate them, you have to clean up where they were joined together. And that's called fettling. Uh-huh. And then the cleaned up parts were then referred to as being in fettle, or having been fettled, or in my case... Uh, in fine vettel. <laughs> oh, right. Well, I, I um, listened to a TV programme the other day set in Northumberland, and uh, I'm not very good at Northumberland accent, but uh, one man said to another, um, I, uh, I, bonny lad, are you fettling? Yes, that's right. And I think, I think the answer is, I'm canny fettling. Ah, right. I think so, but you'd have to you'd have to ask a Northumberland man, really. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Right, or, okay. A woman, a woman, of course. <laughs> so let's get back to the subject: family trees. Hmm. We have, a, as human beings, quite a majority of people these days have a fascination with family trees. Hmm. Um, so we're going to talk about Jesus's family tree. Yeah, it's particularly interesting because. Jesus descended from David and Solomon of the tribe of Judah. But Hebrews says, Hebrews 9.11, when Christ appeared as a high priest. So how did he become a priest and why is it odd? Well, it's odd because kings and priests came from different tribes of Israel. So let's go back and discuss where did the 12 tribes of Israel come from, Angie? Uh, Abraham's grandson, yeah. Jacob. So which was the tribe that became the priests of his 12 sons? Uh, Levi, the f- because we know the priests as Levites. Yeah, that's good. And which was the royal tribe that David and Solomon would eventually come from? I bet you know that. That's the tribe of Judah. You see, I didn't go and watch Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat for nothing. For nothing, I know absolutely. all the tribes. You got it. Absolutely, you did. Uh, so, for instance, Saul, um, the king Saul, uh, got into real trouble with Samuel for trying to do a burnt offering, doing priestly duties, and in fact, he lost his kingdom by. Uh, by doing, doing the, trying to do the both by trying to do both trying yeah. trying to well he was already king but trying to do the priestly duty yeah so in fact it wasn't just getting into trouble his whole lineage kingship was yeah, cut was off Gen- you know he yeah. was the last king of 
from, of his he, life. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, and that was the last king ever from the tribe of Benjamin. First and last, actually. Yeah. Uh, from then on, it was Judah. So let's go back to Jesus. Does he have any links to the Levitical, to Levi, the priests? Yeah. Does he? Well, the answer is yes. Although maybe only 10 or years ago, you'd have said, oh, I don't think so. But people recently, theologians, have been pointing out there's good biblical evidence of some sort of linkage, and it's very, very interesting. So let's talk about Jesus's family tree. We know he was of the tribe of Judah because we, we have that in the Bible. Um, yep. The Gospels tell us, yes, and the, give the, us his family the tree. Trees of ancestry are written in the Gospels: Gospel of Matthew, Gospel of Luke. And if you look at those two family trees, you will find that they're different. So why oh. are they different? Yeah, why, <laughs> why are they different? Well, um, they're different because the one in Matthew was the descent from David. King David, uh, to Jesus' adopted father... Joseph. Joseph. And the one in Luke was the genealogy of Mary through her father's line, again, back to David. Her father was called Heli. So that means that through her father's line, Mary was of the tribe of Judah. That's right. Legally, you take the the descent from Judah um, because that's the that's the tribe of your father you take your father's tribe um, so how come then where does the priestly line come as far as Jesus is concerned ah well that's very interesting and this is what's just being discussed quite a lot the bible points out that Mary's cousin Elizabeth that's the mother of John the Baptist. And you'll remember the story about Mary going to visit her and uh, Zechariah, her husband, becoming dumb. You'll remember her husband, Zechariah, was an Aaronic priestess, his Elizabeth's husband. And between them, they had a son called John the yes. Baptist, although the Bible calls him John the Prophet. Yes. Well, hey, so the thing is that it gives Elizabeth a very specific title. And the title is this. She was one of the daughters of Aaron. So Aaron was a priest, as we've already said. Yes. But Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, was also a priest. From Aaron's line. He so, was an Aaronic priest. So both these people yeah. were, were from the priestly line. Yeah. But what's this got to do with Mary? Okay, so you've got to ask yourself... How does Mary's cousin descend from the tribe of Levi while Mary herself belongs to the tribe of Judah? That's right. <laughs> so this is how it works. I want to take you back to Mary's grandfather. And this is Jesus' great-grandfather. But I want to take you back to Mary's maternal grandfather. Mary's maternal grandfather, we don't know his name. He was a Levite. And he marries a Levite woman. The woman was descended directly from the female line from Aaron. And these were very special women. And these women were called 
daughters of Aaron, an unbroken female line stretching right back into Aaron's family. Okay, so Mary's maternal grandfather um, and his wife have two daughters? Yes, they have two daughters. At least. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the two we know about are these two, Mary's mother and Elizabeth's mother. These two women are both, of course, from a Levite family. So they're both 100% fully Levites. So, so far, no sign of the line of Judah. No. no. Okay. So what happens? Well, this is where Mary's mother marries Heli. We don't know her name, but we do know Heli's name. The thing is that Heli is of the tribe of Judah. Even though Mary's mother is a Levite person, uh, one of the daughters of Aaron, she marries uh, Heli of the tribe of Judah. And you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to marry between tribes. It's perfectly all right. So Mary herself, when Heli and Mary's mother give birth to Mary, she takes on legally the tribe of Judah through her father, Heli, Mm -hmm. but through her mother, she is also of the direct line, going right back to Aaron, of the daughters of Aaron the Levite. So Mary herself, you can imagine her being split in two, her legal status is of the tribe of Judah, but her title is daughter of Aaron. So what about Elizabeth then? Well, Elizabeth, Elizabeth's mother, who was a Levite, married Elizabeth's father. We don't know their names either, but they must have both been Levites. And there, Elizabeth's mother and father give birth to Elizabeth. She's legally a full Levite and also, like Mary, in direct line of the daughters of Aaron. So no sign of the line of Judah. Not in that family. So when Elizabeth marries Zechariah, both Levites, they have John the Baptist. They have John the Baptist, and he's a full Levite. So let's go back to Mary. Uh, Just to clarify, because sometimes families can be quite confusing. So just just clarify what you've just said. Mary is legally of the tribe of Judah on her father's side, Heli. And on her mother's side, she is a daughter of Aaron, the priestly caste going right back. So what about Jesus? Well, Jesus is fascinating. Jesus was born of Mary only. Joseph wasn't the biological father of Jesus. Mary only. The Holy Spirit arranged that. So Jesus inherits precisely the same tribal descent as his mother Mary had. So he is of the line of Judah and also of the line of Aaron or the Levitical priestly line. Through the daughters of Aaron, the the title, he doesn't get called one because he's a fella. Um, But nevertheless, his mother was one of the daughters of Aaron, direct descendant. So she, there's his Levitical inheritance. 
So what about Joseph? Does Joseph have any say in all this? Yes, he sort of does. Because Joseph had was really legally adopted Jesus. Now there and, wasn't we, a, and we know because of the genealogy in Matthew that Joseph yes. is of the tribe of Judah. We know that Joseph is of the tribe of Judah. And adopted children inherit all their, in the Bible, all the titles and everything that the real children would have had, the biological children would have had. So although Jesus is an adopted son, he inherits through his father the tribe of Judah. So that's a double whammy, really. A double whammy from her, his mother's side, but also from his father's side. And that's why the genealogies show, if you haven't spotted this, by the way, that Jesus was legally the real king of Israel because he inherited the direct line from David uh, via both his mother and his father. You might ask yourself, why was Herod, the king, afraid of a little baby? Well, he was afraid of a little baby in case somebody discovered a baby whose line stretched back to David on both sides from King Joseph and Queen Mary, his mother, as they should have been. And now they give birth to King Jesus. That's why why, um, Herod, Herod, not Pharaoh, why Herod was frightened of this little baby. Because he wasn't really the legal king, was he? And and also... Herod, Herod wasn't the legal king. He was an imposter. Yeah. So, but it also shows that when Pilate had King of the Jews put on the cross, yeah. how that must have disturbed yes. quite a lot of the Jewish yeah. hierarchy. And uh, if you remember the story, they went up to Pilate and said, hey, hang on a sec, you can't ride that. Yeah. And Pilate said, I've written it now. Yes. Hard luck. <laughs> put up with that. So, OK, that's that's the tribe of Judah. Let's go back to um, the Aaronic priesthood. Can you say how Aaron became a priest? Yes, well, here we go. So Exodus 28, verse 1, and command to Moses from God, then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as, wait for it, priests. And then what happened? Well, Aaron then gets appointed and there's a special procedure to appoint Aaron that God dictates Exodus 29 4 you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting you're going to wash them with water then there's various other things about their clothing but then verse 7 very interesting you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him at uh, the end of verse 9, Thus shall you ordain Aaron and his sons. So, in effect, it was a an initiation ceremony yeah. for the to begin the line of priests. Priests from Aaron. Yeah, yeah. interesting. I know we say Levit- the, the Levites were a priestly tribe, but this brings it right now down to a family of Levites who were to serve in the temple as priests. But that whole process of initiation reminds us of what happened to Jesus in his baptism. That's interesting, yeah. Because Jesus 
comes along to John, his second cousin, and uh, he wades into the water of the Jordan where John is standing baptising people and they have a little conversation and that's a story in its own. I shan't touch on that. But then John, the Levite, baptises Jesus, the king from the tribe of Judah. He splashes him under the water. And then something astonishing happens. The Holy Spirit flutters down on him. And people who saw it saw a fluttery thing. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a dove, which is what the description was given to him. Yes. It's just that this thing that fluttered down looked bird-like to them. So he, he came on him as a dove. Um, and rested on him. And rested on him. Now, the thing about the Holy Spirit is this. What is one of the great symbols of the Spirit of God in the Old Testament? Oil. Oil. So here you have somebody being appointed to a task, and it involves washing with water and anointing with oil. Just like Aaron. Holy Spirit oil. Yeah. Just like Aaron. So that makes Jesus both king and priest yeah which is something which you couldn't be under normal circumstances as if king saul proved yeah Yeah. so was there anything else about this priest yeah well there's the interesting thing you see because as you look back in the old testament you find somebody else who's a king and a priest as well do you remember melchizedek wonderful name um I don't think people generally got into adopting Melchizedek for their children. For the children, (laughs) You never know, it might catch on. It might catch on. (laughs) So who is this Melchizedek? Well, let's start in the New Testament, um, although it's speaking about the Old Testament. Hebrews 7.17 For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Now... What's an order? An order is a a way of functioning of a priest. Now, we have orders of, in in various church backgrounds, we have orders of monks. Yes. So you can have a Benedictine, wait for it, order. Yeah. Or a Franciscan order. order. That's right. In other words, it's a certain practice or culture that oversees what they do. So Melchizedek was an order in this way, in yes. a sense Melchiz- as well. Melchizedek was of an order of priesthood. So t- tell us a little bit more about him. What, is there anything else that we know yeah. about him? Well, let's go back. Um, it's in Genesis 14. Melchizedek wanders along outside Jerusalem about... 1500 BC and he meets Abraham there and Abraham presented Melchizedek with a tribute that's a whole other story again yeah but it says of him he was both this is Melchizedek 
Yeah. He was both a king and a priest. Genesis 14.8 is the uh, classic place to start for this. So it goes like this. And Melchizedek, he was a king of Salem, which became what we know as Jerusalem. Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. Wow, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And he blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High. And Abraham gave him this tribute of stuff that he had, uh, a tenth of everything that he had. Well, not everything he had. Everything he'd taken in battle, actually, a recent battle, but we don't need to worry about that. So do we know anything more about this Melchizedek? He seems very mysterious. Yeah, Hebrews points out this extremely enigmatic nature of Melchizedek. So let's look at his names, says he, the writer to Hebrews. His name, Melchizedek. Melchi means king, and Melech means king, and um, Tzedek means righteousness. So this guy, says Hebrews, his name means king of righteousness. But then he's actually also the king of the town called Salem. Now, you'll be familiar with Shalom, which means not just peace, but health and all sorts of other stuff as well. Well-being, that's right. But this town was called Salem, which is the same word as Shalom. So Melchizedek was king of righteousness and a king of peace. Yeah, that's right. Do we know any anything else about him? We're like, in a sense, do we know anything about his line, his lineage, his family tree? Well, this is, again, part of this enigmatic nature. And the writer of the Hebrews runs into this and he goes for it full tilt. And he points out, look, here is somebody very, very, very important. Now, there isn't hardly an important person in the Bible that doesn't have his ancestry sketched out and also what he went on to do. So the writer of the Hebrews looks at Melchizedek and says, hang on a minute, here's somebody so important that Father Abraham gives him tribute and yet there's no genealogy. He just appears and... There's no sign of the end of his life. He's, uh, Hebrews 7, 3. He's without father or mother or genealogy. And he has, wait for it, neither beginning of days nor end of life. In other words, the writer of the Hebrews says that Melchizedek is a very special, eternal figure. And he goes on to say, resembling, oh, the Son of God. Uh, Son of God is a divine title. Yes. And Hebrews is talking about Jesus here. Yes. He's been talking about Jesus for a while. <laughs> resembling the Son of God. So he's drawing a parallel between Jesus, his nature, and Melchizedek's nature, Resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest how long for? Forever. Now, that's astonishing. So, Jesus is not only after the Aaronic line, 
if you like. Yes. The, the, the Levi, the tribe of Levi, not only uh, has lineage from the tribe of Judah, but as far as his priestly line is concerned, he is of the order... Of Melchizedek. Of Melchizedek. Yeah. So what priestly thing, then, did Jesus do? We know he 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 is king and one day will rule and reign, but what's the priestly thing that Jesus... Well, Hebrews goes on to say, chapter 10, verse 11, he goes on to compare Jesus with the priests of the Old Testament. Yeah. Because they stand there at their priestly duties... And they're offering sacrifices, and that sacrifice, Hebrews points out, the repeated same sacrifice, same old, same old, which can never take away sins. And yet, Hebrews 10 verse 12, and he draws this different picture for Jesus. But when Christ had offered for all time, forever, because he's an eternal priest, a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Now, sitting down in the Bible always refers to a a work which is finished. No more to do. This was a, a perfect sacrifice for sin, lasting forever, going back to effectively trailing back right through to the beginning of the universe and on to the end of the universe because Jesus is an eternal priest. That That is amazing. That it eternal, is astonishing, he, isn't it? Yeah. In a sense, he, he, he has neither beginning of days nor end of life like yeah. it describes as Melchizedek, Melchizedek. And that one single sacrifice does it for all time. Yes. Amazing. And that's why he, earlier on, he used this term the Son of God, yeah, uh, for Jesus. So um, a perfect, a perfect sacrifice, sacrifice for sin. So we know that as Christians we are born again. We yes. have spiritual DNA. Yes, that's right. New so DNA. What, does, what you, what, the the parents you're born of, are the parents you get your DNA from. But if you're born of the spirit, of the spirit, you get some brand new. DNA, not actually physically in your cells, but in yourself as part of your new life. So what does the Bible say? What is our DNA? Well, the lovely thing is this. Peter, in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, he addresses his fellow Christians and he calls them this. You are a royal priesthood, (laughs) which you can't be if you're descended just by descent from physical Israel. So this is our spiritual this is our DNA. spiritual DNA. That we are priests. And going right back to Melchizedek, we are the royal priesthood. Wow. Well, thanks, Phil, for a fascinating chat about Jesus' family tree. And thanks all for listening. And don't forget, you heard it on the grapevine.